everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today we are going to talk about fueling for performance. We're going to understand how to fuel our clients for to enhance their performance and their overall training experience so that they can get better outcomes. So today I have Jackie Kaminsky. She is an she has a master's and she is an RDN and she is super informative. She works with athletes and you know I met Jackie at a conference. She has so much to offer in an area that I just really don't have a whole lot to offer and that is the area of nutrition. So I love talking to nutritionists and getting their lens on how we can best help ourselves and help our clients. So Jackie, I'm going to bring you in and let you just introduce yourself. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate yes. it. Um, but yes, I am Jackie Kaminsky. I am a registered dietitian with a master's in sports nutrition. And I have been an athlete my entire life, you know, growing up as a gymnast and quickly realized that, you know, what you put in your body does matter in terms of exercise. And, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from the beginning. And after high school, you know, I went to Florida State University and I saw that they had a program in dietetics, which was perfect because that was exactly the lane I wanted to enter. Um, I knew from the get go I wanted to work with sports. It was just a question of which sport specifically I wanted to focus on. And, you know, long story short, you know, going to grad school, I got an internship with the UFC Performance Institute, fell in love with combat sports. And that is kind of my specialty now. So. Oh, okay. So that happened when you did an internship. That's interesting. That was actually going to be my question, Jackie, was how did you get interested in, in working with the population that you work with? And so, because you work a lot with fighters, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, in grad school, part of, in order to become a dietitian, you have to do rotations in different fields, kind of similar to how a doctor has rotations. Yeah. And one of the rotations in my program was a specialty rotation for sports since we were sports fo focused. And at the time I just started kickboxing and, and not like seriously, it was like at a, you know, a fitness kickboxing class. It was called nine rounds, but it just kind of sparked an interest in, you know, in the combat world. And I was like, you know, I wonder if fighters have very interesting nutritional needs just because of the whole balancing of the high performance aspect, but also having to make weight, you know, and you're not talking about individuals who have high body fat percentages or, you know, are sedentary. We're talking about elite level athletes that walk around at 15, 16% body fat, and we got to get them down to like eight. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So I got an internship with the UFC Performance Institute out in Vegas. I was there for a about 12 to 13 weeks, I believe. And I just, I fell in love with combat sports. I love the challenge. I love the athletes. I just, I think that they're the most incredible people in terms of, you know, what they put themselves through, the type of training they have to do. Um, and then, you know, I started training myself and I, I quickly realized it is a really, really hard sport. So I have so much respect for them. And, and yeah, I just, I kind of love the weight making aspect. It just definitely throws an interesting, um, twist and how I kind of go about my programming and, you know, fueling for these specific type of athletes. So, so yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's super interesting. Actually, I've seen your Instagram and I've seen you in there punching away and I'm like, okay, that's way <laughs> out of my scope, Jackie. That is what, although, although I do dream about punching things quite often. And frankly, I think it might do me some good, but, uh, but yeah, maybe we'll have to get together and you can show me how to punch things. I, I think that would really improve my, my overall psyche. But, um, so, you know, when it comes to fueling for performance, um, just with everyday clients, everyday population, um, some of them are higher level athletes, some are not, but what about, can you give us like a soundbite version of, I looked at your presentation that you had given for one of the conferences and I thought it was very fascinating. Um, it deep dived a lot into science. And so obviously in a two hour presentation, we only have 30 minutes to give the, the basics here, but what about carbs, fats, and proteins when it comes to fueling? What's a basic overview of that? Um, I mean, Quite simply, a basic overview is just understanding the purpose of every category and how it's not only going to nourish you, but benefit you from a exercising standpoint. So for example, protein is going to be what we call the king macronutrient, right? Because its main benefit is in um, building and creating new tissues. However, it's not an energy source. So I wouldn't feed an athlete or even a regular individual, you know, a piece of chicken or eggs before they go do a high intensity exercise session because our body doesn't utilize protein for energy. It's mainly for repairing and recovering versus carbohydrates are a, the body's preferred energy source. We can metabolize that fairly quickly. Our cells will utilize it first when it comes to doing any sort of activity from just sitting down to standing up to doing, you know, a run, whether it's short endurance or short, sorry, um, short duration, long duration. So understanding that, you know, carbs are going to be a really great energy supply and it's going to be a quick energy supply versus mm -hmm. fats. Um, they will supply us with energy for longer periods of time that just take a lot longer to break down. So you won't be able to utilize fats until you're doing, you know, sub maximal intensity exercise for a very long period of time because our body's going to use carbs first. So in terms of thinking about macronutrients in terms of performance, it's just, hey, what is going to be the easiest way for our body to utilize energy and what food is going to fall into that category to be able to give us the, I guess, benefit or outcome that we're looking for? Yeah. That, and that was a great description, actually. Um, just kind of using just that concrete description of, you know, I'm not going to give them chicken. Um, they, you know, I, I want to give them a carb. And and uh, that was that was a great way of kind of defining that or, you know, distilling that down a little bit. So what about that uh, frequency, intensity, duration when it comes to fueling for performance, um, when it comes to different types of strength or different types of activity too? you know, strength versus endurance versus weight? class uh, sports? Yeah. So when I talk about frequency, duration, and intensity of an exercise, that's something that I have to be mindful of because how much food, the timing of the food specifically is going to play a big role in what that athlete or client is doing that day. So for example, if they have several back-to-back -back sessions that are very high intensity, long in duration, you know, those meals that I'm going to give them in the periods of time they can eat, I'm going to focus on, you know, foods high in carbs, enough 
protein to have recovery between sessions. But again, being mindful that, you know, it has to be low in fat. They have a session later on. They don't want to feel too full. So I got to give them enough food to recover, have energy for the next session, but something that's going to metabolize fairly quickly versus if it's a, you know, maybe it's just one session that day. It's pretty low intensity. I don't need to give them as much food prior to that session because they're not going to be burning as much calories. Their body's not going to be able to or is not going to need to utilize as much energy as they would for a higher intensity, longer duration session. So then maybe that food would be maybe just a piece of fruit paired with some almonds or some avocado toast, because we know that, hey, it's low intensity. Our body can utilize fats for this type of exercise. Um, so we can program a little bit more of that before it versus, again, something that's super high intensity, going to be really quick, high burst movements where their body's not going to be able to utilize that at all. So I mean, kind of going back to it, just, you know, the duration, the intensity and the frequency of that training session that they're doing is going to play a big role in the types of foods that I'm going to suggest for that athlete at that specific time. Well, and I think that's a great description because you know what actually came to my mind, Jackie, and I feel like this is a... um... This is a concern for everyone, um, you know, whether people work with a trainer or they don't, especially if they don't work with a trainer is how much am I actually metabolizing? So I think that when we work out like, okay, for instance, if I do cardio, I am hungry all day. I, I would venture to say I'm hangry all day long. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's that fine line of how much did I actually burn versus how hungry I am? Does that make sense? And so I feel like a lot of times we think we burn more calories than we do or that that need to constantly satiate. And do, do you know where I'm going with that? Like it's hard to determine how much food we really need to um, help us in our workouts. Yeah. And so the rule of thumb when it comes to fueling is if we're talking about carbohydrate feedings, for example, rule of thumb is 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour of exercise. So, you know, that relatively speaking, that's not a lot of food, but that's just a guideline in terms of what we're going to consume to give us enough energy to perform and prevent early exhaustion. Um, if you're talking about being hungry later on in the day, that's just probably a matter of, you know, or for not just for you, for anyone really is just a matter of, you know, what are, what is the meal composition that you're consuming throughout the day after that workout? You know, are you having just a ton of simple carbs? Are your meals low in fiber? Are they low in fat? Because if so, then that would probably not fill you up as much, probably signal to your body that, Hey, you metabolize that pretty quickly. There's nothing to sit in our stomach and tell us that we're full. We don't need food. So, you know, the meal composition after a workout matters too, and throughout the day to make sure that we have, you know, again, enough fiber, enough healthy fats to keep you full. So we're not just eating like small snacks and feeling like super, super hungry all day long. Right. Well, and tell me what that looks like when you say 30 to 60 grams of carbs. Um, what, what does that look like in terms of food? What would you tell your client? Yeah. So it's not a lot of food at all. Actually, it's, it's relatively a small amount. So like 30 grams of carbs would be like one banana or two slices of toast. And when I say slices, I mean the little squares, not like the big giant rectangles. <laughs> um, 60 grams would be a, you know, something like a Nutri-Grain bar plus a banana. Um, four dates is equal to 60 grams you know, half a cup of oatmeal with, a, you know, half a banana and a honey drizzle. So again, not a lot of food um, and something light enough to, again, just give you energy to perform, prevent early exhaustion. Um, but this isn't like a meal composition that's supposed to like essentially keep you full and filled up throughout the day. Right. 
and not enough to make you feel almost nauseous when you're exercising, right? I mean, you have to consider that too. You have to be able to absorb it and, and feel your body, but not have it hold you back when you're actually exercising. Um, so that leads me to, you know, you talked about the frequency, intensity, duration, that type of thing. Um, when it comes to fueling for, for, for bleh, fueling for performance, that's a, that's a mouthful. Um, you had talked in your presentation about endurance versus strength, uh, power-based sports and mm -hmm. some of the key defining differences when you're fueling for performance. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So in, I mean, a lot of the recommendations I touched on in my presentation and I always will is just what is we've seen in research. So when it comes to endurance athletes, their needs are generally a little bit higher than strength-based athletes, just because of the frequency um, and duration of training that they're doing, you know, um, endurance athletes, an example would be like marathon runners, for example. So when you think about, you know, how much training that they're doing, let's say they're preparing for, you know, a half marathon, you know, like how much mileage that is every single day that they're accumulating, you know, and running, um, or if it's like a triathlon, you know, it's, it's very intense, it's long in duration. So their needs to fuel are going to be a lot greater than a strength-based athlete because they're going to be more, um, strength is going to be more power. So for example, we think about bodybuilders or weightlifters or just a power lifter in general, their movements are, yes, they're lifting a lot of weight, but it's very quick. It's very short bursts with long rest periods. Right. So when we talk about fueling specifically for those athletes, um, you know, carb needs for endurance athletes will tend to be a little bit higher than they will for strength-based athletes, just again, um, because of the volume that they're doing. And we know that carbs are going to be the best energy source in terms of fueling endurance-based athletes versus if we're looking at protein content, um, because strength-based athletes, the goal is to have more muscle mass. So we want to stimulate muscle protein synthesis as much as possible, which means we want to feed a really high protein diet. Endurance-based athletes are a little bit leaner in nature. They don't really want to build muscle because at the end of the day, while muscle is great, um, mass means more weight on your body. So you can't right. be as fast. So, you know, we still want to feed them enough protein to recover, maintain the lean tissue they do have, but not enough to be in a quote unquote building state. Okay. That was a, that was a really good, I love that. You're really good at the soundbite version, Jackie. So I want to reintroduce you. So uh, this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm your host, Angie Miller. Thank you so much for joining us. We are talking about fueling for performance and I'm talking to Jackie Kaminsky. She is, um, she's an RDN and she works a lot with fighters. She works with high performance athletes. And so she's got a great unique lens on fueling for performance, whether we're talking about wherever, our everyday athletes Athletes, and we're talking about those high performing athletes. And so Jackie, let's go back to timing. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but when it comes to like nutrient timing, especially for everyday athletes, if you're a trainer and you're like, okay, um, you know, I've got my seniors versus my endurance runners versus my, um, you know, those who want to go more for my, my power athletes, tell me some tips on timing that we can share with trainers um, when it comes to fueling their athletes. Yeah. So timing, um, timing can benefit everyone, regardless of, you know, what cohort you kind of fall on, whether you're young and elite, old and elite, um, just getting brand new into a training routine. But um, timing, like I said, rule of thumb is at minimum, you know, 30 to 60 grams of some sort of 
simple um, or even complex carbohydrate prior to exercise. And the point of this is to just, you know, our body can utilize carbs immediately. So once we consume something, whether it's a simple carb, like a white piece of bread, or maybe a complex carb, so like a sweet potato, um, our body can tend to break that My down. My favorite. Yes. Um, Yeah, our body can tend to break that down anywhere between, you know, 15 to 30 minutes. So if we consume that um, shortly prior to exercise, that's like free available energy in our muscles that we can use almost immediately. And it's not being stored, you know, as a reserve for later. So that's a good way to you know, for me as from as a um, dietitian to tell people, hey, if you like have a sweet tooth, um, the best time to eat it would be right before exercise because you know that you're going to use that immediately for energy for the work that you're going to do. It's not going to be held as a reserve in your body and, you know, lead to, you know, weight gainers, what people worry about. Um, Are some you of- talking to me, Jackie? because you know that's my downfall oh yeah everyone's got a sweet tooth yeah i tell people i'm like you want proper chip cookie have it right before a workout because that's just straight sugar and your body is going to be able to use that so perfectly during any exercise you're going to do so Um, i have to do a little quick pivot here so i used to film fitness videos and mm -hmm. um one time actually i I had uh, i hope she doesn't mind me sharing this story but i had tammy lee webb she was the director on this set and she said, every time before I film a video, I eat a donut. <laughs> so I always remember that. I eat a donut right before. Anyway, so yeah, big pivot move. There you go, Jackie. Go no, yeah. And I would say that like, hey, before any type of workout, regardless if it's super high intensity, low intensity, whatever it is, um, I think that's fine. If, you, if that's how you want to fit it in because you feel like you're going to be able to utilize that and burn it off, I'm here for it. So I'm like, yeah, have a donut before your workout. It's totally cool. <laughs> Um, but very similarly on the uh, the flip side of that, even after a workout, you know, everyone's biggest concern is building muscle, maintaining muscle. Um, and that's why we say protein is king. So getting protein in as soon as you can after a workout, um, anywhere between right after up to two hours is going to be the most beneficial in terms of a protein feeding to build muscle, stay in a muscle building state, um, regardless, again, of what cohort you fall on, whether you're a young individual, an old individual, um, elite level athlete, just starting fitness routine. So that's where timing can kind of play in regardless of where you are on that spectrum. And I have a question about that. Is it better in liquid form? So is it better if I make my protein smoothie or can I eat my power bar? Don't I metabolize that protein smoothie more efficiently and more quickly? Um, you'll metabolize a protein, like a whey protein, for example, if you're doing a powder uh, a little bit more quickly, just because it's already in its a more basic form. Um, you know, whey protein is a fast digesting protein, whereas you have something like a yogurt or casein protein that's going to be more slow digesting. But at the end of the day, um, as long as you're getting a rich dose and we quantify a rich dose as 20 to 30 grams of a high quality protein. And what I mean by high quality is a protein that has all your essential amino acids. So it has to be, I mean, ideally an animal-based protein because they're like animal tissues are pretty much identical to ours. So in terms of receiving all the amino acids that we need to build new muscle tissue, um, it'll be, you know, like I said, yogurts, milk products, uh, chicken, beef, eggs, but, um, but yeah, there's some proteins that will metabolize a little bit quicker than others. But at the end of the day, um, you're going to have the same response, whether you have a whey protein shake in a liquid form versus a chicken breast. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I usually, I do a plant-based protein powder myself, but, um, you have to take more of a plant 
protein powder to get the same that you would get in a whey protein powder. So, um, but, uh, but for me, it's, it's friendlier to my, my gut. (laughs) So it works better for me. Uh, the whey tends to talk to me for a a hot minute or two or three. (laughs) So, um, so once again, uh, my name is Angie Miller. This is strong mind, strong body. And, uh, we are talking about fueling for performance. And I have a very special guest, Jackie Kaminsky. Um, Jackie is an MSRDN and she works with high performance athletes and she's got a great lens on nutrition and fuel. So Jackie, I really want to touch base uh, for a minute on supplements and just kind of label checking and some safety guidelines on supplements, because I feel like if ever there was a time when supplements, we are just, they're everywhere. They're, they're just mm-hmm. everywhere. And there there's uh, everywhere from Walmart to Target to, um, GNC is like, which used to be devoted strictly to supplements. I feel like everywhere I go now, there's more and more and more shelves devoted (laughs) to supplements. I'm like, how do we know what is good? What's not good? How do we know to check labels? What are we looking for? Yeah, it's a great question. um, Just because there's so much product on the market. And when it comes to supplements, I mean, something that was really hammered into, you know, my education and what I went through is obviously the label checking like we're about to go into just because, you know, at the elite level, if you're working with high performance athletes, you know, there's banned substance testing and there's no way to fully ensure that supplements are 100 percent clean. So there are some labels to kind of give us some peace of mind to say, hey, this has been, you know, like a double check, triple checked um, to ensure that you have a safe product. And so um, the FDA does regulate all supplements. It's just a matter of additional testing that, you know, companies will go through to ensure that they have a safe, clean product. Cause sometimes you can get um, supplements that aren't truthful in the amount of supplement that it has, it can be tainted with heavy metals. So there are things that you want to look out for. So Um, Third-party testing is always what we want to look for when we are buying a supplement, and that will either come in a um, NSF certified sport label, informed choice, and then the other one is BSCG gold standard. And these are kind of stamps that are like the highest quality to ensure like, hey, like, you know, we deem these safe we've checked these, um, but it won't always be for every supplement that that brand has. So you really have to make sure that like, hey, just because maybe on their website, they say they're third party tested, that's not going to hold true for every supplement they have on the line, because the company has Mm -hmm. to pay so much extra money to get that specific um, supplement, have that label on their bottles. So, you know, you always want to check to make sure, hey, like, is that third party testing sticker on the supplement that you're buying? Um, You know, also looking at making sure that everything has all individual ingredients listed. Um, A big caution word I tell all my clients to look out for is proprietary, I'm always butcher this word, proprietary blend. And essentially that's just a way for the company to not tell you what the individual ingredients and doses are in something. It's just, Hey, we're just going to list everything that we put in this blend and call it proprietary blend. So you have no idea if it says, I'm just going to throw some random ones out there. Let's say B6, creatine, beta alanine, um, betaine, and they just put it all in this proprietary blend, but they, by law, they don't really have to list out how much of a dose that is. Um, because they just put proprietary blend. So it's a caution word when you're looking at the supplements, you want to make sure that they're 
all individually listed with the correct um, dosage so you know exactly how much is in there. And then, you know, just making sure that your supplements are, are backed by science. Like, are they using ingredients that have been proven, you know, not just in one study or two studies, but like multiple studies, like we're talking like hundreds of studies over decades to say, hey, like, this works. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. otherwise you're kind of just wasting your money. Um, but at the end of the day, I tell people, hey, you know, take everything at your own risk. If you feel like it works for you, that's great. Um, but just make sure, like I said, everything has a third party label. It's clean. Um, it's in an FDA approved facility. All individual ingredients are listed with the appropriate doses and everything. Um, the ingredients that are being used, make sure it is being backed by research. Yeah, I like that. I like uh, looking for proprietary blend because I've seen that so many times. And that's mm -hmm. an interesting, like you said, it's an interesting uh, loophole, I think, to say, well, this is our proprietary blend. But what is that exactly? Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's really key. You know, it's interesting, too, about supplements. I think it's just like with any pharmacology. I think that there could always be an argument of um, the uh, how much of it is is in our head, like the supplement says it will do this. Therefore, we we already feel like it's going to do this because it's almost like hope. It, it reminds me of when people set up a, an appointment to see a therapist. They say that um, statistically or evidence supports that they already feel better, knowing that there's hope, knowing that they're going to get help. Yeah. And I feel like it's that same. Amazing. <laughs> What's that? I said the placebo effect is amazing. It works yeah. every time. <laughs> I think so too. And you know what? Whatever, whatever helps, right? Mm -hmm. And so like you said, as long as you're checking the the nutrition guidelines and you know that you're getting a clean supplement, then, then right. So Jackie, when it comes to fueling for performance, are there any other key takeaways that you want to leave us with that maybe I didn't ask you about or you're thinking, Angie, why didn't you ask me this? Um, yeah, I would say that there's a big difference between fueling for performance and fueling for health. Um, a lot of athletes can be fueled appropriately for their sport, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, meeting all of their nutritional needs, if that makes sense. Um, so fueling for performance is specifically just focusing on enhancing sport through food and nutrition and nutrient timing. Um, ideally, we want to make sure that that athlete is getting all of their essential vitamins and minerals and we're meeting all their needs. But at the end of the day, sometimes that's not always realistic just because their needs are so high. And at the end of the day, when it does come to athletes, the end goal is to make sure that they're performing at their best, <laughs> regardless if that's good for their health or not. And, you know, you're never going to tell someone who is an elite level athlete to stop doing more. Um, that's, that's never going to work. So you kind of have to work within, you know, what they're comfortable with and willing to change. But, um, but yeah, overall, if we're just trying to take away, you know, some major key points, I would say uh, moderation is key. Um, everything has a place in your diet. It's just a matter of understanding, you know, what category it falls in, you know, is it a carb? Is it a fat? Is it a protein? And what is the purpose of each macronutrient in our diet? And how can we utilize that to meet our goals? So like I said, if you want to have a donut, have a donut, but you know, have it earlier in the day or prior to exercise, because that's a simple carb, you're going to utilize that for energy, um, you know, versus maybe towards the end of the day, let's focus on high protein consumption, high vegetable consumption, because we're not training, our body doesn't need a ton of extra energy. But what we do need is protein and vitamins and minerals to recover before we go to sleep. So 
Right. Well, I think that was well said. And I, you know, I, I have to share with everybody. It was a funny little story. We're at a conference this summer and we're in Las Vegas and there's a group of us and it's late at night after dinner. And we're just looking for a quick grocery stop. And I think we ended up at a CVS and we're scoping the aisles to find our quote unquote healthiest options for breakfast in the morning. And there was Jackie guiding me down the aisle. So, um, <laughs> so try to try granola bars for you. <laughs> yeah, you just, they're always a go-to. So Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to all of you for tuning into our Strong Mind, Strong Body episode. And uh, Jackie, is there any, is there a way that they could reach you on your social media if anybody had a question for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm most active on Instagram at The Fight Nutritionist. You just, just type that in one word, The Fight Nutritionist. And yeah, you guys can reach me there, ask any questions. I post a ton of free content about this topic specifically. And yeah, or you can reach out to me via my website, fightnutritionist.com. And we can always go from there. All right. Fantastic. Yes, I'm connected with you on social media. And to all of you, I never say my own social media handle, but it's Angie Miller Fitness. So thanks again, all of our AFA and NASM audience. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jackie, for all your great insight. And we will see you next week. Mm -hmm.